Hey everybody, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. This is a show where I sit down with incredible humans and I do everything I can to share their vision with you to help you unlock your dreams and career hobby in life. And my guest today is Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts. You may be familiar with her work in the event that you're not. This episode is a treat. School teacher turned yoga instructor and now one of the most popular instructors on Peloton. You probably know that platform. Uh, but the fact that she is a yoga instructor and that she has come for a t- from, from teaching, it may not be a surprise to you, but her story, the details of her story, how she listened to the things that were true for her, made changes in her life, and now seeks to connect with others to build community around the things that she loved. Now, if that sounds like something that you might be interested in transitioning out of your current universe to something new, or if you can, if you desire to light a new fire in your life, Dr. Chelsea is here for you. You do not want to miss this episode. She's had a very non-traditional path. Uh, We talk a lot about uh, showing up in the world, about you can't be what you can't see. So how do you present and what can you do to make your dreams come true and then uh, inspire others? If any of this sounds interesting, if you're on a career cusp or a transition or you want to be inspired by someone who's chased their dreams, this episode is for you. I'm going to get out of the way. And again, please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts. Hey, before we get into the show, I've got a quick announcement. My best-selling book, Creative Calling, is now more than 18 months old. It's crazy to think that. But thanks specifically to support from you, this community, the book has been shared and gifted and highlighted and has been published in, in all kinds of different languages around the world. I want to thank you for applying these concepts in the book to your life, for sharing the stories, all of your career changes, failures, and successes on the path to designing and living your best life. So if you don't have the book, I have to encourage you to get a copy. Again, it's called Creative Calling. It's available anywhere books are sold. And I've put my entire heart and soul, all of my experience around creativity, around entrepreneurship, pursuing your dreams, getting unstuck, experiences from my own life and the lives of dozens of the top creators and entrepreneurs that I know that I I call my dear, dear friends. It's all in this book. So if you don't have a copy, I would love it if you would pick one up. And part two, if you do have a copy and right now you're going, yeah, Chase, check that box. I already got it when you first when it first came out. I'm one of the early adopters. Again, I want to say thank you. And it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review at Amazon or wherever you picked up the book. By writing a review, you are actively contributing not just to the success of the book, You're exposing your community to the lessons and tactics, the experiences that I aggregated together in Creative Calling. And I believe that you will be directly inspiring your peers to live their best life in support of their career, hobby, and dreams. Now, in the meantime, I'm going to get out of the way and let you get back to the show. But again, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. I look forward to you hearing more about your experience with Creative Calling. But now, let's get into the show. So happy to have Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts with us today. Chelsea, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Chase. I'm so happy to be here and talk with you today. Well, I am a huge fan of your the way you operate in the world, the uh, actions that you take on a regular basis. I follow you. Um, I'm familiar with you from the Peloton community, from yoga. I know you've got a long history in education, which maps to my um, my heart and soul and my personal background as well. My wife's background, she was a teacher for a long time. But for the handful of people who might be watching or listening and aren't familiar with uh, with you, your journey, in your own words, I was hoping you would start today off by orienting us to a little bit about yourself. Yes, absolutely. Yes, again, it, thank you, Chase, for having me. I am Dr. Chelsea Jackson-Roberts. You can call me Chelsea. And um, I am a former 
elementary school teacher. I always love to lead with that because it's kind of an unconventional way of arriving to being a Peloton teacher now, Peloton instructor. And so, you know, my my journey has definitely been integrated with a lot of education. My mom taught school. She taught public school back in Ohio for 35 years. My father was a probation officer and then ended up going back to my old high school to work in the alternative school. And so I knew from an early age how important education was for me. And so I graduated from Spelman College, a historically black college in Atlanta for all women. And that is where I studied child development. And after that, I Went out to New York. I did my master's program at Teachers College, Columbia University in international education. I had these dreams that I was going to travel the world and teach in some way, shape, or form. And I went back to Atlanta and actually became an elementary school teacher where I taught for eight years. And that was amazing. A lot of lessons learned there. And that's where I started practicing yoga because it was quite demanding. Um, I always say it wasn't the children. It was the demands of being a school teacher in a Title I school where the majority of the community lived below the poverty line, where we had a lot of um, challenges. And I found myself quite stressed. I would have moments where I would go during lunch and just cry in my car sometimes because I was just so overwhelmed with the day. Mm. And I started practicing yoga. I started practicing yoga because I would see people who I knew practiced yoga and I was just like, wow, they look like they just got it. Like, it wasn't like they were necessarily happy all the time, but they just had this sense of self, this sense of, of understanding life. And I was just, I was just intrigued. And I picked up my first Rodney Yee yoga book and I started to like thumb through the pages and wanted to teach myself. And then I walked into my first yoga class and that was a hot yoga class. And I fainted in that yoga class. <laughs> and, and I was just like, so this is what it's about. So it just knocks you out onto the floor and then you figure it out later. But it really did. That is my entree into yoga. It was at a time where I truly needed to put myself back together. And here we are. <laughs> what a journey. And I have a, a little bit of a confession. Uh, when I I familiarized m myself with your work, uh, it, it was like four or five, you know how these things happen in life, like four or five times you entered into my world. You were recommended on Instagram. Two friends of mine has, were talking about taking your classes on Peloton. And then I saw a meditation with yourself and uh, someone who's very famous in the world, and that's Jennifer oh, yeah. Garner. And <laughs> I just, all of these things happened within like a two week period. And then I started really, of course, stalking you on the internet as one does. <laughs> and to know just a little bit about your story, and it, it parallels so much the story of my wife. She was a school teacher, a middle school mm -hmm. teacher, burnt out, mm -hmm. found hot yoga. She went and studied under Bikram oh, wow. for a long time, and, mm -hmm. and that was, you know, that was a decade and change ago, and then pursued a career in educating herself around meditation and mindfulness. And I'm looking at your story and her story and <laughs> and being so inspired by the work that you have done. Mm -hmm. uh, I just I wanted to have you on the show, hoping that you could talk about the journey specifically from being burned out mm -hmm. to to where you are today, because there are so many people who are listening and watching right now that for any number of reasons, they could even be doing something that they love, but they're at a position in their either their their career arc or their life arc that uh, that's presenting some challenges. We've all just, you know, we're, we're working our way through a pandemic, so there's been right. more stress than normal. And your the, the way that you navigated from burnt out to now, you know, what what appears to be just thriving. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you can sort of walk us through uh, what were some of the key milestones, the key mindset changes along your journey? Because people, people want to know you've, you're, yeah. you're, you've navigated some treacherous, hard, hard stuff. And yeah. I'd love for you to tell me a little bit of a story if you can about your journey. 
Oh, absolutely. So I, I told you my entree to yoga um, in the way that was purely physical. And later in my life, after graduating from Spelman, I had a, a pretty large tragedy happen in my life. And that was losing my best friend, Misty. And she was murdered. And that was something that I had never experienced ever in life, um, especially as a young woman in her early 20s. I my life came to a complete halt. And that was when I started to think about how I felt in my yoga classes, because I wasn't making this connection to my mental, my emotional. It was just like yoga feels good. I just wanted to let go of all the stress in some way. But I remember the feeling that I would get every time. And I was in a Bikram yoga class. Every time I would look in the mirror and every time I would see my eyes and I would see myself staring back and there was just something different of how I saw myself in that moment. It was just raw. It was like the layers were being peeled back. And I was really seeing who Chelsea was at her core and how life in general took me further away from it. And yoga and meditation got me closer to that. I want to say that for my entire life, I've been an overachiever. I think that many of your listeners probably can identify with that as well. If they're even tuning in, they're probably- We spend a lot of time. <laughs> hey, we, we, we try and talk them down off of overachieving. They come here because they think they're going to get the secrets, and then we try and help them manage all the rest of the stuff that comes with that. Right. But you, you're correct. Yeah. And so, you know, I didn't even mention in my journey that I just casually earned a PhD from Emory University over the course of five years. And it was just like, I kept going, going, going. And my relationship to rest was not the best because I even used yoga as a way to, you know, um, cultivate, you know, strength in my body in the physical sense. And to like keep my body in check in terms of like my weight and all of these physical, very surface things. But it was once I started to scratch that surface, I was like, Chelsea, it is so much more than this. And I started to learn how practices like yoga nidra, like deep relaxation, like these things that really restorative yoga that got me to really slow down and listen, that was the challenging part. I had the the vinyasa, the ashtanga, moving fast, going to the hot yoga. It was the moment where I was in those long shavasanas where all the tears started to pour out. And that just made me curious. I was just like, what is it about this stillness, about this quiet, that is getting me so emotional, that's making me not even want to come back to yoga because it's terrifying to see myself in that way. And so I believe, Chase, that this practice was placed in my life for the purpose of slowing me down so that I could truly understand my why as to why I was trying to overachieve, why I was trying to accomplish these things. And it's deeply connected to my community. I'm a Black American, African American, my family. I've been obsessed with ancestry. So to trace my family back to the plantations where they were, like, those are my whys. And so when you get that fire in you of, like, wanting to figure out where am I from? Like, who am I? It can cause me to go nonstop, stay up all night. And then I try to show up and try to lead people in yoga and I'm exhausted. And I'm just like, well, this isn't making any sense. And so it is in that stillness, in that slowness. And you practice with me on Peloton, you'll see that I have a lot of deep relaxation and a lot of, you know, those moments so that we can be still and know. And that has certainly been essential in my journey and the hardest part. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's fascinating to me, the connection you mean, you, you, you mentioned on your journey and the fact that we're all doing everything we can to emerge from a global pandemic where we've had mm -hmm. to reassess priorities. What are the things that make your heart sing or look at that job that was burning you out and it is not uncommon, as I mentioned, my wife was a middle school teacher, just like you taught mm -hmm. so hardcore, did everything for the kids, did the before school stuff, after school stuff, led the student store, and <laughs> overachievers, that system has a way of burning you out. And the same could be said for all of the different people listening and watching in a pandemic, trying to raise your kids, go to, go to oh. school or work on a computer, you know, so many yeah. people in our community live in a one or two bedroom apartment and have a couple of kids and just 
all of these pressures have made so many people reevaluate their priorities. Mm -hmm. So the question is, as someone who has done such an amazing job building community around what it is that you love, mm -hmm. when you tried to shift out of becoming a teacher and into the next chapter, where did you look? Where did you even decide to start? Because most people, they have forgotten at some point what it is that they love. What, you know, mm -hmm. so how did you start to make that transition for somebody who might be stuck right now? What would you say to them? Yeah, I fought being a teacher. I actually started Selman as a bio pre-med. And I took my first, like, <laughs> one of the math classes. I was like, oh, this isn't for me. I, I'm going to go ahead and change this major. Then I changed my major to music. I've played classical piano since I was five years old and competed throughout even my early adulthood. And I was just like, I'm going to be a music major. And I was just like, no. And the one thread that was connecting it all was my love for learning, my love of being a student, my love of learning new things, of identifying who my teachers are. And I think that that is key with yoga. That is a, a key part of the process of having your teacher, being a part of a lineage. I'm a part of a lineage of teachers to always remind me that I'm always a student because the moment that I'm like, okay, I got it everything I'm done. I'm like, well, what is the purpose of life anymore if I've, I've arrived? So it's my love for learning new things. It's my love for education. It's my, learn, my love for connecting communities in a way to learn from each other who may have never connected ever. Like you and I having this con connection right now, talking about yoga, it lights my, my fire to be able to talk to someone in another country, another part of the world that we can connect on this moment of saying, yeah, I know what that feels like. Because by definition, yoga means union, to unite, to yoke. And for me, this life is all about learning as much as I can for the purpose of connection, for the purpose of me to use my experiences to understand the experiences of others. I often quote James Baldwin in knowing that there is suffering in the world and the best thing that we can do with that is understand and unpack our own suffering so that we can understand and empathize with the suffering of others so that we can now take that suffering and move deeper into understanding and into love. And it's just, it's what life is to me. I can't, I haven't met one person who hasn't experienced suffering on some level, especially as we live longer on this earth. And so, yeah, that was what it was. I knew that I wanted to always be committed to learning and yoga. Every time I step onto my mat or every time I sit on my cushion, I'm learning something more about myself or I'm taking an experience in life and I'm unpacking it there in my practice. And so that's the, that's the undergirding like theme here for me is learning lifetime student and connection. Well, it's not an accident that I myself started a, a lifelong learning company because like you became obsessed with this idea of always growing, always changing. Nothing is static and anything that looks mm -hmm. static, as soon as you look one layer, you know, beneath the surface, you realize that that is, you know, you've heard it this said many times as I have, the only constant is change. And mm -hmm. so, so to be able to uh, learn to pursue the things that interest you I think is one of the gifts of the modern era. The fact that we can, you know, be on this show together right now and that yes. someone else has access to being able to hear you and your journey. You mentioned the word empathy, I think, and connection mm -hmm. um, in relation to, uh, to your journey. And it's a good departure point for, I, I was able to uh, tune in to your meditation recently with Jennifer Garner Mm -hmm. around specifically around empathy and there's a balance we joked about the people in our community are here for the shortcuts and then we end up telling them how to <laughs> you know giving them tools for helping to sort of unlearn so many of the tools that culture has taught uh, so many of the habits and things that culture has taught mm -hmm. us but I was intrigued uh, uh, in this meditation that you did with Jennifer Garner to find about finding the balance between 
ease and effort. Oh, yes. Yeah, we're all, you know, not, no one who's listening here is going to be, you know, putting their feet on the couch. There are a lot of overachievers and mm -hmm. it has always been difficult for me to uh, reconcile. My wife practices a, a handful of different things and, and just, you know, just being able to be OK with any outcome. And I'm like, yeah, but how does that reconcile with pushing harder and winning and achieving? Right. And, and so I'm wondering if you can for for the benefits of those listening, just do a little bit of a recap. Again, I would encourage people on, on jennifer.garner, her Instagram, where you guys share it. And I think it was on mm -hmm. yours as well, um, to be able to, and, and yours is Chelsea loves yoga in case yes. people are listening. Yeah. It's a great yeah. channel. So <laughs> recap for us and, and help us remedy this, what seems to be a conflict between effort and ease. Yeah, absolutely. So I received that teaching from my teacher, Swami Jai Devi in Atlanta. And it was always, I heard her say it one time and I was just like, oh my gosh, like we were in warrior two. And she was like, find the effort and ease in this posture. I'm like, what does that mean? And I'm just like, oh, that's what it means. Where it's like, okay, I'm working here, but it's through the breath that I'm able to find that ease. And to me, that's what life is. It's that ebb and flow that, you know, every day is not going to be the best day in the world. I want it to be, but it won't be. And honestly, why, why should it? Because if we're going to have this full human experience that allows us to open our hearts to those who may not have the best days, as we know, there are whole communities that are having really tough days right now, tragic days right now. And just because I'm not necessarily there located in this space or experiencing what an individual may go through, it doesn't mean that I can't open my heart to the compassion, to the, the, just the invitation to understand what they're going through. And each time I do that, it allows space for me to do that for myself. I am oftentimes, and I think a lot of people out here can relate, my biggest critic to the place, to the point where I can have these internal conversations with myself. Like if I didn't do my overachieving the way that I thought that I was. <laughs> and I'm like, Chelsea, why did you make that commitment? Why did you overextend yourself? Like all these things beating myself up. I have to pause and remind myself in that empathy, in that, that effort, in this moment of ease of saying, you know what, you are human. You need to rest. You need to use your practice as a form of rest as opposed to the dynamic practice, which is great as well. But it's through that empathy to me that we become more human and that we embrace our own experience even more. Because again, we cannot, I said this to Jennifer, it was just like, if I see something in someone else, I, I do this meditation where I send love to a person who may be seen as an enemy to a person who may be seen as an opponent in life or doesn't have my best interests or I don't agree with, and I can still send that person love, why wouldn't I? That is my hope. My hope is that we connect in love. Just like James Baldwin, my hope is that my suffering, your suffering can get us deeper into that love. And so what I was saying to Jennifer was just like, when I see something and it bothers me about somebody, all I'm doing is recognizing that part of me that I identify with that thing that's getting underneath my skin. So if how dare I say, you know, throw this person away because of their opinion, because of what they're doing. And there are people in the world that are doing awful things. Don't get me wrong. But I have also experienced having those moments that have not been my finer moments. And if I can't embrace myself in those moments, if I can't empathize with the suffering that leads people to do the things that they do, then I'm not going to be able to recognize and acknowledge it in myself. And you cannot compartmentalize your love. You cannot, you know, pick and choose the parts of you that you want to love and the parts of you that you want to pretend aren't there. There's no way that I can love myself fully if I don't acknowledge all of those parts. And that goes the same for humanity, for this world. And so that's how I... I see empathy playing in this practice of meditation. Mm. So I'm wondering if school teacher you X number of years <laughs> ago yes. thought 
thought that by pursuing the thing that lit you up, you said you took a yoga class and you realized I see myself in the mirror. This is, I want mm-hmm. more of this, more of this and less of the detachment that you had from uh, yourself or the burned out part of your experience as a, as a teacher. Mm-hmm. What did you think that through shifting gears in your career that you would possibly go to having hundreds of thousands of people around the world, <laughs> you know, tune into you, not just on Peloton, but, you know, on Instagram and all the other channels that you've got with that was, did that play a role or was that a surprise? Has that been something you've cultivated? This is a big shift. I'm wondering if you can yeah. talk a little bit about it. I had no idea, Chase. I had no idea that little Chelsea from Dayton, Ohio would one day be just, you know, leading Jennifer Garner in a meditation, right? Or that I would have the reach that I have in this moment. And I do, it just, it's never lost on me on how impactful that is. Everything that I say, every single thing, which is quite stressful when you're like, (laughs) wow, a lot of people are listening, you know? And so I, I am quite an introvert, believe it or not. Um, you may believe it, but I'm quite an introverted person. It's actually my husband, Shane, who really encouraged me to pursue this full time because he saw something in me that I was afraid of in many ways. And everyone who knows me knows Shane and they know that I don't give him all the credit, but I give him a significant amount because there was this conversation. I remember one day and I was mortified because he told <laughs> Someone he was like, my wife, she's the LeBron James of yoga. And I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe he just said that. Yoga is supposed to be humility. Like, relax, sir. Like, do not tell anyone that ever again. And it was just like, no, he was just like, I see something in you, your ability to be able to cut across generations, cut across races, communities, and to deliver this message of yoga and meditation. And essentially, it's about love. It's about connection. So I knew that that was powerful. I knew that I had a gift in the sense of school teaching. Like, not everybody can do that. And those who can, they don't always do it in a way where they wake up and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go in and learn something new. Now, I didn't have every wonderful day (laughs) with third graders at that. But it was this part of me that I knew something was different. I always knew that there was something different about how things sat with me. And that goes on the other end, too. I'm a huge empath. Like, I absorb a lot. And so when it comes to emotions, yoga and meditation help me navigate that. It keeps me humble. It keeps me in this place of anchored groundedness that reminds me that I'm still a student. It reminds me to always acknowledge my teachers. It reminds me that this is way bigger than me and that I'm just planting the seeds to hopefully have a more livable world for everyone. I want everyone to be happy, healthy, and free. I want everyone to be able to tap into their purpose and why they are here so that we can, you know, I, I feel like I'm really getting in there now, like getting, let's say the woo-woo, the airy fairy. I'm like, spread love. That's really what I want to do. And the day that it happened, the day that Jennifer Garner, you know, um, invited me onto her platform, the day that Peloton sent that email, I had finally gotten to that place where it was just like, how dare I not? How dare I not step into this? How dare I not for everything that my ancestors have sacrificed for me to be here and speak freely right now? How dare I not? And so now it's getting easier for me to step into these moments. But I'll tell you, it has certainly been a journey for this introvert here. (laughs) Well, let's talk about that for a second, because there are a lot of introverts uh, out there listening right this minute. And I think historically the world has been... uh, dominated by extroverts and we're in a new chapter it's very very clear and whether that's the internet or information just moving more quickly these days or it it, what it exactly it is it doesn't matter but i wanted to take a second and speak specifically if you would to the introverts and 
just to clarify before we go into it, I'm going to define that being introverted or extroverted, that, that's how you derive your energy. Like mm-hmm. being, a, being an introvert is you get energy from being quiet and then you can go out and spend that energy in the world. Um, and, and extroverts, by example, would get juiced up by being at a party or being in a very social right. situation. So now that we have that working definition, we'll call that, uh, it's, it's a clumsy one, but it's a working definition. So you, as, yeah. you, you as an introvert, uh, speak to the other introverts who are listening right now. And did you always know that about yourself? And, and what are some of the things that you do now that you're aware of your introvertedness to take care of yourself? And what are some things that people might be missing, those introverts out there, they're, they're still feeling a little bit beat up. I'm wondering if you can talk to them for me. Yeah, I think I was I was born an introvert by design. I'm an only child, for one. So that was a big part of it. I think that, um, you know, having my dolls all lined up and teaching them again, I always knew I was going to be a teacher. <laughs> I, I found joy in that. Like, I did not need a bunch of people to um, to tell me that I was doing a good job, although I was overachieving that that intrinsic desire for me to learn was definitely fed by me just saying, I'm bored, I wanna learn more. And then people started to notice, like school teachers when I was in elementary school, they would see how much I was reading. And then I started to write books because I, I even said to a teacher one time that I'm not in this book, so I'm gonna write myself in this book because I didn't see myself, my identity in a book. And so I think the introvert we have a superpower. I think that that superpower is something that people actually work their entire lives to tap into. And I think it's an opportunity for us to embrace what it is that we learn in those quiet moments. Those, like I was saying, those moments of of stillness, but then also understanding that balance that, um, again, effort and ease, I had to also acknowledge that I didn't want to keep this in. I didn't want to keep this to myself. And so I actually tried it out on my third graders. That That's who I felt comfortable trying yoga out on, you know, and meditation out on. And then their parents started to have questions. And then I'm just like, okay, you can come on in and we can do this together. And it was a very organic way that my introverted ways started to open up and I had to walk with that as scary as it was. I was, I I was really afraid of public speaking so much that, and I'm going to just go ahead and take it there. Every time I would have an opportunity to publicly speak, Chase, I would throw up right before I would go on stage. And I was like, what does this mean? Like, why am I so nervous to share my heart, my love with the world? And it's because I spent so much time keeping it in. And it was the moment of that unlock that I shared the story of Misty at Makers, um, a conference that was um, here in, no, it was in Los Angeles a couple of years ago. And I remember it was that moment that I shared that, that really traumatic experience that from that day forward, I was able to move forward in sharing my story in a way that other people could hear, listen, and learn. And so that that is somewhat, for me, that shift, that transformative moment, that the one thing that broke my heart, the moment that I was able to let it go and not just keep it inside to myself and share it, that was the unlock for me. And so I just encourage introverts out there to continue to listen, to continue to allow yourself to be guided by that those internal conversations, and then just see those opportunities where all that we've been churning and, and reflecting on inside could possibly connect with someone out in the world. And so I still am an introvert. Like it's funny to be a Peloton instructor and, you know, some of us are existing in there, but for the most part, like I am very like, it takes a lot for me to engage um, 
especially in in conversations in small groups or even in large groups. So I kind of think I I went all around the world there with my introverted reflections. But no, but um, I yeah. think that's that's <laughs> part of what I'm I'm trying to as a lifelong extrovert, and I'm mm-hmm. married married to uh, an introvert, and I've learned so much about um, the differences between them and even, you know, the fact that we can have, have different tendencies. I'm a, you know, an ambivert or whatever, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and just how the world's shifting and how the recognition of, you know, this age old piece of wisdom, know thyself, right. I'd mm-hmm. be able to identify how you get your energy and, in, you know, what you decide to do and how, how to choose to spend that energy. I think there's just, um, we're on the cusp of an awakening. I feel like mm-hmm. it's starting to, we're starting to acknowledge it, but you have seemed to manage it and navigate it uh, so elegantly that I just, I appreciate you, you well, sharing. Thank you. Um, different topic. Peloton mm-hmm. is a global phenomenon. It went from mm-hmm. being a, a, an exercise bike to now um, arguably is, you know, maybe not by the numbers, but conceptually as popular as Netflix, right? This the concept mm-hmm. of having, having uh, a set of instructors on speed dial. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you could just talk about how it looks from your side, from the side of the teachers. What do you think of what role does community play in your life? You've mentioned that word a couple of times. But specifically around Peloton, you mentioned a couple of things about it. I'm wondering if you could just go a little deeper. Yeah. So I, so my husband Shane and I moved to New York from Atlanta on March 14th, 2020, to begin this job. For me to begin this job, and if everyone can kind of remind themselves what was going on, March, the middle of March of 2020, it was a time that was quite tumultuous with the pandemic just starting and us not really knowing what was going to happen, thinking, oh, this will be over in a couple of weeks. Oh, and maybe over in maybe a month now. And then it just kept going. And for me to land at Peloton, where we were one of the platforms that actually had the reach during the pandemic, it was, I don't see it anything but alignment. I don't see it anything but that. I could have postponed it. I could have said, no, this isn't for me. But instead, I stepped into it. And I was very familiar with Peloton. And a yogi could look, an introverted yogi could look and say, oh, no, that's not for me. That's nice that they they recognize me. But there was something that was just like, let's go for it. And Shane and I picked up, moved our entire lives from Atlanta to New York. And I'm going to tell you, Chase, this has been one of the wildest rides that has fed my soul in a way that I didn't even realize I needed. The reach, the amount of um, folks who are practicing yoga for the first time because it is on Peloton, because they may have just said, well, let me check out this person named Chelsea. She has a Beyonce yoga class. Like, what is that about? Like, all of these things. And it's just like, that was my mission to begin. My whole purpose to be a yoga teacher was to open it up to folks who didn't think that this practice was for them, because I didn't think that this practice was for me the first time that I stepped into a yoga space, whether it was my body type or my community that I came from or my ethnicity, like all of these different things. I told myself I did not belong. But to be on a platform as large as Peloton and to teach yoga and to be me in this body and to share with people around the world at this point as we grow, it has definitely been um, one of the wildest rides I've ever experienced. And right now we don't have members in the studio, of course, and we haven't my entire time I've been here. However, I don't know if I've ever had a reach or been able to cast a net as wide as I have been being that single person in that room, being able to broadcast yoga and meditation around the world. And so it's wild. It is amazing. Every time I open up my DMs or my emails or get an invitation to share my story like this one, it's just like, 
wow, like this was what it was all for. Like that, that elementary school teaching, that being a little girl in Dayton, Ohio, not seeing myself, knowing what it feels like to not feel like I belong, to be able to empathize and acknowledge other people's suffering, no matter what their identity is. That's what it's all been for, for me to be able to have this opportunity now. Yeah. Do you ha- do you, that's incredible. And thank you for <laughs> being so vulnerable and sharing. I'm wondering if you could give some advice, because right now there are people listening who, you know, have at either at one point decided not to do as you did to move to New York. And when you get the invitation to jump at it because they identify as X, Y, or Z, or that mm-hmm. they, 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 and I'm wondering, it sounds like, you know, this experience and f- sort of facing your fears and taking a chance, whether it's because you mentioned earlier your ancestry, whatever the, the mm-hmm. motivation was, I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you can give some advice or just maybe some heartfelt candor to the folks who either haven't done that, have had the chance and haven't done it, or are on the cusp of have, you know, having the universe present them with the thing. And what would you tell those folks if they are on the fence as to whether or not to pursue, to pursue that thing? Yeah. I always go back to my why. I always identify, especially when things get challenging, like always coming back to my why. Um, Also, just that part of how dare I not. Um, I love that. I I love that phrase. I love that phrase. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, why wouldn't I? Because I know that if I say no, chances are I'm grounded in reality. Someone else will be asked. And if I know that I can provide exactly what it is that I've been working my entire life for, I will not allow fear to disrespect that moment. So how dare I not? And I was afraid. I was terrified. I was terrified to go in my first audition for Peloton. I've shared this on our Peloton blog about, you know, the process of becoming a Peloton instructor. And it was like, I was nervous. I was used to going into a yoga studio with my t-shirt and sweatpants on. And, you know, maybe I do my hair, maybe I don't like kind of thing. I'm just like, they're so glamorous. And like, is this for me? But I had to remind myself, Chelsea, this is what you've been working for to be able to have this reach. And so to get back to your question, Chase, of like for those people who are are kind of considering maybe a shift in their profession or, you know, a shift in their family structure. It's just like this is the only life that we have. My grandmother is 96 years old. I often refer to her granny. And I think about her life and what she shares as a little girl growing in Nashville, Tennessee. And I think about the joy that this woman embodies and exudes in every moment. But I know how hard her life has been. I know the things that she's been through, yet she still has this joy in her. And it's because she always, I know, goes back to her why. Her why was her mom who died when she was 10 years old. Her why, or my mom and my uncle, my uncle Joey, who just passed in 2019. Her why is me. For her to see me talking with Jennifer Garner about meditation and seeing Jennifer Garner looking to me for guidance in meditation, like these are those moments of life that we have to hold on to because they're sacred. And so, again, how dare we not? This is what we've been working for. And as long as we're aligned in our why and my yoga and meditation practice always keeps me anchored in that, then we have to take that chance because it would be disrespectful (laughs) to our life if we didn't. Mm. Yeah. You've also mentioned a couple of times in our conversation and the research that I've done prior to today uh, with a handful of different articles, I have a phrase that um, that conjures up these thoughts and feelings, and it's you can't be what you can't see. Mm. And so often in our culture, and it's one of the reasons we're speaking, I'm, I asked you to be on the show, is the acknowledgement that 
you know, seeing yourself as a Peloton teacher, seeing yourself, you talked again about your ancestry. And I'm wondering, to, to me, this has been a, a desire to share the platform that we've created here to learn about others' journey of sharing themselves so that they can be seen and hopefully inspire others. What role has that played in, it's sort of an extension of the same question. Has that been something that you've actively pursued? Because right now there are people who have a different background that are maybe hiding or haven't been willing to take a chance. And was that a part of your decision process to take this role, this lot in life? Uh, or is that just ancillary? Help help me understand. Yeah. So I didn't mention um, our camp, Yoga Literature and Art Camp for teen girls at Stoneman College Museum of Fine Art. And that is a camp that was a product of my dissertation. And my dissertation was about you know, how can we use yoga and meditation to understand, process, and navigate this world? And especially between the ages of 13 through 17, and especially for humans who identify as girls, and especially for young girls, and especially for young girls of color, because that's who I was. And it's what I wish that I would have had. I wish that I could have seen someone who, and I did, I had examples. I had you know, examples of, of different yoga instructors who were on the cover of Yoga Journal. Let me tell you, when Faith Hunter was on the cover of Yoga Journal, I remember trying to buy like all the yoga journals, like, oh my gosh, I see myself here. And it was essential for me to create a space that I knew that I needed when I was that age. And to me, the more that we the way that you even invited me, Chase, to be on this podcast, it creates a diversity of experiences, of perspectives. I believe the more diverse things are, the smarter we become. How boring it would be if we were all the same and all, you know, like, I, I just, I don't want that. Like, to me, that is where intelligence comes from, from diversity of thought. And we get that diversity of thought through our experiences. And so it was essential through my journey to provide a different perspective that I had not seen yet when it came to interpreting or understanding yoga and how we could apply yoga and meditation in practical terms, how we can apply it when it comes to, I've been a big part of our Peloton, um, you know, Tunde and I, a instructor, a cycle instructor, we do breathe and speak up. And it's an opportunity for us to use the platform, to use this embodied experience so that people can understand and have those hard conversations about race, about injustices, about historical contexts that people may not have known existed. And so, again, it goes back to how dare I not, if I know this, and then I have access to these platforms, and I have access and the tools to share that have been working for me, then yeah, I want to share with the world, because that is my biggest dream, that it becomes so diverse in thought that we get to the place where we can empathize, just like, it's just like, the first time I stepped onto my yoga mat, it wasn't easy. It didn't just come naturally. It felt good, but I had to learn it. And that's the same with life. That's the same with having tough conversations. It's a practice. And for me to be a Black woman who is, you know, from Dayton, Ohio, who spent a big part of my life in the South, who's now in New York City, that's a perspective that people may or may not identify with, but it opens them to saying, hey, I have a story too, and I want to share it. And so that's my hope, that my showing up gives people the encouragement, opportunity, and permission even. Sometimes we need it to share their own story. Well, thank you so much <laughs> for sharing your story and for being such an inspiration. And again, I, I'm... I want to take just a second and remind people to to check you out. Instagram is uh, is obviously um, a huge piece of your puzzle. If I if I'm not speaking yeah. for you, because uh, I, I see so much <laughs> of you you there. The um, and you're just Chelsea loves yoga. Um, yes, Chelsea loves yoga. Where else besides there and Peloton, which we've talked a lot about, 
would you would you steer somebody else or are those the two places that you want people yeah to, and if people to... are interested in the work that we do with yoga literature and art camps um we have a site redclayyoga.org and that's our nonprofit. and we make yoga accessible to communities that may not otherwise have access so if you want to learn more that's redclayyoga.org Amazing. I also used your your site, ChelseaLovesYoga.com, as a place of inspiration has helped me decide where to, to learn a little bit more about you. So I would offer that up to folks who want to learn more. And again, thank you so much for showing up in the world, for being such an inspiration to help people see uh, what's possible with this one precious life. And it's just been an, an honor and a treat to have you on the show. Grateful for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chase. This may be one of my most favorite podcasts ever. So oh. thank you for this opportunity and beautiful conversation. Thank you so much. My wife, <laughs> Kate, has been listening in the background. She can only hear half the conversation, so I can't wait to share it with her. You've been an inspiration to her as well. So thank you so oh, much. Thank and you. We'll have you on the show again uh, at a, a next milestone um, in the not-too-distant future. I'm sure at the rate you're going, you're changing lives all over. And I want to say thank you. Thank you, Chase. All right. Signing off to everybody out there in the universe. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, we bid you adieu. All right. Hey, before you go, thank you so much for listening. And I want you to know that I appreciate the time, the attention that you give to this show, to the guests, and to yours truly. I wanted to take a second to say thank you. This community, like any community, is a testament to the saying that a rising tide lifts all boats. By elevating one another, by sharing and resharing the show, the tidbits that you learn, the experiences that you take away from here, we can collectively have a massive positive impact on the world. Now, whether you're new here to my orbit or you've been here for a decade, I would encourage you to think about how you can show up for your peers, for your fellow creators, and the people in your life that you really know and care about. And one way of doing that is to share this podcast. If you got any value from one of these shows or if you've been listening for a long time, your spreading the love means the world to me. That's how this show gets out. We don't spend a dollar on paid advertising for the show. It's you and me and the guests on the show that help reach new people every week. So I wanted to say thank you. I wanted to remind you that the only way this thing grows is if we grow together, and uh, and I'm grateful for any and all action that you take to that end. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together.